Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Authentic Podcast with Justin Doulard. And thank you for tuning in to another episode. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. Another genuine conversation with a unique individual. It's time! All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Authentic Podcast. It is a beautiful Saturday evening, and I have another good quality guest, the 100-Day King, the last Bushman, Mr. Roland Welker. Roland, thank you for joining me, sir. You got it, brother. You got the 100-Day man right here. Okay. We uh, we talked a little bit before. I don't know where, to, where we kind of start at, so for those listening— Roland Welker won the TV show Alone featured on the History Channel, which is how I found him. Uh, Roland, we've already covered it, but, you know, not a huge TV guy. Don't watch a lot of it. But one of my friends said, hey, this guy, I know this guy personally. And, uh, you know, he won this TV show. And I was like, "Okay, what is it? So Alone is where you get dropped off in the middle of nowhere and you survive for a certain amount of days, period of days with little to no materials that you selected so correct me if i'm wrong but you were the first person ever to go a hundred days on the tv show and win this thing yes that's correct the uh the longest time prior to season seven was 87 days and the history channel wanted to spur somebody on to 100 days and they came up with the million dollar challenge i took it and so uh, so somebody, did, did you did you watch? So you've watched the show at this point. I watched your show. I watched right. your. Well, you got uh, yes. You got to go back a little bit. I'm running into people. It's like, yeah, we seen yours and didn't watch any of the other ones. You got to kind of, you got to go back and watch some of the other seasons just to fully appreciate what <laughs> I did at Rock House. Well, I do want. I do want to say I do appreciate what you did, but I will go watch them back it for you. I mean, you are the reason I watched the show at all. So. Um, Okay, so first, tell people a little bit about you, because I know about you, but people listening may not. And then I want to dive in on how you got into the show. Yeah, so, so I, I, I got an extensive history in this sort of thing. We, we can't cover it all, but I'll touch on it yeah. as best I can, of course. It's starting at eight years old in central Pennsylvania. I began this journey in the outdoors and it's just not your typical like to go fishing once in a while and shoot a deer once a year type thing. I, I embraced this stuff wholeheartedly as a very young boy, you know, set my first trap at eight and, and I, I would get up with my flashlight and go check my little line as, as a child in some pretty big woods in central Pennsylvania. I was the kid that would get off the bus and uh grab his backpack already packed up you know on friday evening and go camping in a rainstorm all weekend alone by myself because you know nobody else is into it uh from there hit you know all, all through high school and stuff got my driver's license and and kind of 
you know, I always loved the hunting things and, and still the camping and exploring. But I, I hit my party years, which were kind of a rough era there. As I do everything, everything I do, I do as hard as I can. And <laughs> that I did as hard as I could, too. I sort of set out to be the best. And that was, well, I was one of them, <laughs> for sure. It led, play, down, huh? it led me down some pretty dark trails. So I was coming out the end of a pretty nasty time. Actually, I've just lost my driver's license for five years and was picking them back up. And some other stuff was going on too and they opened the the uh the dalton highway which is the hall road to prudhoe bay in alaska i always had the alaska dream and started to to lose it through the party years and then i just i decided i'm going there i'm gonna go do that and i remember reading in the four sports of field they just opened the dalton highway clear to the arctic ocean they always stopped it at wiseman before and bought an old pickup truck loaded it up with all my stuff i mean all my gear and uh headed for alaska got it went out to bellingham washington got on the alaska inside passage uh alaska marine highway the ferry system dumped me off in haynes drove back into canada back into alaska went to uh fairbanks i just i was thinking north 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 went fairbanks and then eventually up on into prudhoe bay i, I picked up a job at the yukon river bridge truck crossing and spent the summer there fixing truck tires and what have you, running with the Indians on the Yukon. And that was a pretty wild time. And uh, from there, went on back down to Palmer, where I had a job with Woods Outfit, packing meat for the fall. And they flew me to Western Alaska. That's how I found Western Alaska. I, I went in through Woods Outfitting. I'll never forget it. And and then I, I picked up the whole hunting, guiding like you know there's people making their living doing this and i know that was never leaving after that so you know, the party years damn near squashed the vision but i pulled myself up out of the muck and headed north when when did you start doing hunting and fishing guiding uh you know it sounds like you started as kind of a side gig and then or did you start full-time and go go deep in i i you know a- any any guiding's a seasonal thing even if you are in you know because the seasons you got to follow them around the country and i do some of that at this point but but as soon as i did that first fall i I guided every that was my packing year the next year i was eligible for assistant guide and from there on i haven't missed the alaska hunting season yet i'm registered guide now i'm right in there and what year was this that you started uh it was probably 96 i remember i was 24 whenever i did uh my packing year i'd have been 25 first year as assistant guide about 25 years ago and so you you were living in pennsylvania you packed up and moved to alaska and you've never lived anywhere ever since yeah i, I travel a lot now right now i kind of tell people when we get into this subject I, i'm pretty damn comfortable anywhere in north america anywhere from alaska clear down into northern mexico i north america is my home yeah, I mean, we have, you know, we got connected from mutual friends, uh, Ty and Tara Harmon, who I uh, got us hooked up, and you were friends with Tara's uncle in Claremore, Oklahoma. So, I mean, it, it sounds like you're in Oklahoma a lot more than I expected you to be. So, it sounds like you do travel a lot, and you got a lot of, you know, like I said, North America is your home. So, North America is my home, but I do got a soft spot for Oklahoma. I love them Okies. <laughs> yeah, man, most most Okies are pretty good people. So, um, how often are you in Oklahoma? It sounds like you're there, you know, quite a bit. 
Yeah, I, I hit Oklahoma at least once every couple years. Do least. you uh, do you you know are you outdoors quite a bit while you're there? Or are you mainly just yeah, catching yeah, up with yeah, friends? Yeah, pick up an Oklahoma hunting license and do the Oki hunts. And so how how did you meet uh, Tara's uncle, one of your good buddies that from Oklahoma? Chris Weaver, probably one of my best friends of all time. He he was uh, actually he he he's a hell of a hunter in his own right and skinner and trapper and everything i mean he even actually you know he was like me couldn't get enough of it and that's what led him up there wayne woods a big time outfitter in alaska had a big year coming up and he hired three packers just to help pack meat and take care of camps and chris was one of them so so we have that bond we were both young men experiencing western alaska for the first time i stayed chris moved back to oklahoma Okay, so we're going to dive into, you know, kind of why you're here and what you do. You're obviously a professional guide. You've been doing it forever. It's your, you know, your livelihood. You love what you do. For people, you know, people going to tune in, you know, they, they're going to know now you won the show alone, which is where they take you and dump you in the middle of nowhere to survive. And you were the first person to do it for 100 days. Yeah. Talk us, talk us through how you, were you a fan of the show before you got on? How, how did this go? Uh, I wouldn't say I was a fan of the show, but I know it was out there. You know, I, I am so remote and, you know, I do watch some TV when I get a chance, but, but generally I got no TV. And when I do have access to a TV, I mostly don't know what I'm looking for, or I put Lonesome Dove in a DVD player. So So I didn't never had watched the show, but my clients show up every year telling me about this really badass cool show called alone on the history channel you know some of these guys watch every season and they're they're telling me how i could go do that should go do that and i know it would take somebody with some computer skills to get me in there because i i got zero computer skills i gotta have tax helping me do this right now what we're doing (laughs) she's standing right there and uh so anyway, they, they all come say the same thing. You could kill this, you know, and I, I told them all the same thing back. Get me on and I will kill it. Yeah, we'll get you in there. And none of them got me in there. And it, it's a quite lengthy process. That's nobody's fault. It, it was very involved getting on here. So finally, my sister, Megan Francis, and she lives in Maui and she had a couple of days on the tail end of a vacation. She calls me up. I'm on the road. But I was just kind of had some downtime. I was at this other guy's house. And I, I remember doing the application over the telephone over her. Oh, I guess I had my phone. I had a flip phone. I didn't even have a good phone yet. I didn't <laughs> have a flip phone. But I had to have my sister, you know, on the other end with her computer. What year was this? It's it very involved getting in there. Very involved. What What year did you start the application process? Or what, what when we filmed, so I must have started the application process. I, I believe January of 19 is when I submitted my first application. And when were you in the woods? When did we go in? When did, you, you started your application January of, of 19. When yeah. when did you start the show? When when did you get dropped off from? We, we, we went in late September. Okay. So, so you... Was, uh, you know, you might as well say... February, March, April, May, June. I I had seven months at least just in 
from the time I submitted my application till we got launched. How do you how do you prove to these guys that you're qualified and you're not just going to get out there in a week and you know you know you're not yeah, some post? Yeah, that that's you have you know they ain't just taking some yoho you know and <laughs> out there they, they got a lot of money invested in us you know they got to make sure you're gonna stay in there and give it your all to to get the show you know and and I can't touch on that real hard there there is definitely formula they're using to pick their people you do have to show your shit for sure but i'm i i'm not i'm not gonna elaborate on that yeah that's fine um when you applied for it did you know that it would be the first time where they try to get someone to go 100 days no no that was sprung on us later no and originally the you know it's always been a last man standing for five hundred thousand dollars that was always one through that's season one through six. And for some reason, we were getting ready to go do that. And, and they came up with the new challenge. Did you flinch? I'll never, you... I'll never forget where I was when I was first told that. I thought I'm a millionaire. <laughs> yeah. So how does that feel? Do you feel like a millionaire now? How, how does that work? Oh, man, I'm, I don't. I don't need no money. All I need is a bowie knife and a hunk of wire. I don't <laughs> Uh, so you're out there for a hundred days in Canada, rural Canada, and not only do you have to survive and, you know, cook your own food, find your own food, your shelter, but you've actually got to film this show yourself. This, there's nobody else out there, not even one film crew, correct? That is absolutely correct. And that's a part of it. That's just so hard for everybody to, uh, understand, you know? So I, I, when I tell this to people, uh, and Matt, whether you're a welder or a truck driver or working in a sawmill or I don't know, whatever you do for money, now imagine going and doing that all day long, hard as you can if you want to win, with a camera in your hand. We're doing this one-handed because you got a camera in the other hand, and then there's some other cameras floating around too, you know, and it just, man, getting an angle. You're, you're always repositioned. Before you can go to work, you got to set your cameras up, and then you start your project or whatever you're doing, and one will crap out on you, and you got to, you know, it, it's nonstop camera work. Yeah, it, if you don't hate the camera before you go in, you'll hate it when you get out. <laughs> Would you prefer if had someone with you, behind you, filming the whole time, or did you kind of appreciate really doing it by yourself? Yeah, that, that's a good question and a tough question. The camera work is hard, but at the same time, I know it's making everybody else's life hard too, you know. So you, you had to be a good man to pull it all off. I, I like the way it is. I like the self-filming. I, I can see where if you're getting filmed, it would be a hell of a lot easier, but, but then you're not alone. See, half of this is being alone. If you had a camera crew there, you wouldn't be alone. You know, Isolation is a hard gig for a lot of people. Yeah, because, you know, like, like I mentioned, I don't watch a lot of TV, but even some of those outdoor wilderness shows, you know, it's not the same thing. But like, for example, Naked and Afraid, they've got a film crew with them or they're, you know, they're being filmed. Yeah, uh, yes, you're not alone. And so this is they, they, this is an authentic show right down, you know, no food and, and all that. Everything is legit and you are alone. So if there was a camera crew there, it wouldn't be legit, you know. So so the whole thing with doing your own filming is. Is what this is about, actually. Yeah. With your survival deal, too. Sure. So walk us down how you killed that muskox one-handed with a camera in your hand. Oh, 
that, that, that you can't duplicate that. I, I predict season seven's never going to be beat just because I know what it took to build rock house and that musk ox. I mean, I don't see how that can be duplicated. It was, it was a long chase. And of course you saw I had arrows and had to go in for the stab. So it was such a long fast chase that I didn't get all the shots that I wanted to chasing it. I got some and I, I did very well actually, but there was a lot there I didn't get. And that's just kind of part of that hunt. It, it just, I couldn't get the cameras out. So when it came time to go in for the kill, thank God I got them in the right places. And cause I, I didn't, you know, it, everything was happening so quick. I didn't go back and like, look at my footage. I just went into gutting and everything. Cause I had to get clear back to rock house for the night and, and it was just so much work to do you just slap your cameras down as best you could and and uh hope you got it and i didn't really know if i got it until later and of course you saw like, i got it <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah you had to catch that on i don't there. think it can be redone i don't sorry no i mean i respect your opinion and your thoughts on that because yeah, uh, i mean i'm talking to everybody else too i mean the next guy you know they just there's somebody out there trying to do it now you know there's yeah season eight's coming up how I'm, long i'm predicting you... season seven's gonna be the the new benchmark for a long time we'll see yeah i mean that you know like i said they coined you that nickname the hundred day king man that's not easy to get so yeah what uh what happens hypothetically if two people make it a hundred days then, then we was going to have to split it. Mm. That, that would have been a bad gig. I wasn't into that. I wasn't wishing nobody no good <laughs> luck. I wasn't putting no good vibes out there. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you, man. Uh, I don't remember her name, but the girl, she made it, I want to say, like 91 days or 89 days. Or, uh, and that was Allie, and I believe it was 89. I'd have to watch yep. it again to be sure. But, but yeah, I mean, she was, she was so strong and awesome. She was chasing me hard. I... I I give her all the, you know, credit in the world, but at the same time, I I wasn't rooting nobody on, you know. Yeah, I she one champ. I she, I, I, I kind of say thank God for frostbite. <laughs> yeah, she did. Uh, She'd you know, have been she there without it. What'd you say? She'd have been there without it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Did you going back on it? You know, I'm sure. Did you have any type of illnesses or injuries that you kind of hid or tucked away so you could kind of stick it out there? Because you seem pretty healthy, but I know that there's a lot of stuff that didn't make the show. You know, we only got ten to eleven hours of footage as opposed to you know a hundred days worth. Oh right, you know, I mean, you can't even imagine the amount of footage they're dealing with. But no, I, I don't. I don't get sick. I don't get hurt. I don't get depressed. That that don't happen to me. I'm like the most healthiest person on earth. What do you What do you do to stay fit? Do you do anything special, or do you just stay outdoors and eat healthy? Well, I stay outdoors a whole hell of a lot. You know, I'm probably living in outdoor shelter, tent, cabin site, sit type situation, anywhere from 180 to 220 days a year. Uh, so you know, a lot of wild game, and and I, I I don't lean toward a lot of sugars and stuff unless I'm working ultra ultra hard, meaning in hunting season. But but yeah, man, I I, I stay on it. I don't, you know, you don't. What was your uh, what, without some kind of routine? 
Yeah, I I listened to several of your your other podcasts you did, and uh, I know you said you know you kind of take for granted being out there, just grabbing a bag of chips or a cheeseburger or something. Yeah, right. When you do come in, all that comfort <laughs> food's just oh, it's out of this world. Yeah, I mean it's you know it, you're just used, well at least a lot of the average people are just used to. I could leave right now, go get a cheeseburger in three and a half minutes, uh, and you, you know I could do that almost any time of night. Twenty four hour drive throughs. I was just going to ask you, what was the first thing you ate when you got you got back home? Uh, I mean, once you get back to base camp, they they bring you back slow. You know, the first couple meals are pretty weak, but but when I actually got to a restaurant and could order up a civilized meal and eat like a human, you know, with <laughs> the restaurant, I had some form of steak that was on the menu and a couple beers, probably some fries in there. Yeah, mainly when, the steak. You know, I'm a meat eater. You know, there, there's a couple shows out there that are called meat eater or something. You know, mm-hmm. and then they they mix their meat with a bunch of noodles or something. That ain't meat. <laughs> right. Yeah, you just like a good old piece of steak. I, I, I can make them. I can make people cry for mercy. You know, I've had people live with me that just said no more red meat. You know. <laughs> when you... I'm eating at somebody's house and there's a bunch of other crap on the table, I'll. I'll... <laughs> I'll put some potatoes and green beans on my plate just to be polite, but you know, I'm pretty much stabbing for the steak stuff like that. Have you heard of the, uh, the people that do the, the meat eat the meat only diet for, they'll do it for an extended period of time, 30 days, 60 days. Yeah, and that's called the caveman diet or something. Right? Carnivore diet. Yeah. Or the Neolithic or the paleon something. I, I, I know guys and, and that will work for some people, I believe. That's yeah. kind of what I'm on. Kind of what I'm on. What do you? I mean, so you know, what do you typically eat in a day? Just a lot of a lot of red meat and maybe a, a vegetable every now and then, or potatoes. I eat a hell of a bunch of red meat, and I'll go for some dairy when I'm out, you know, in the world. You know, I did. Of course, there's not much dairy when you're back in the woods. I, I'll carry butter back in the woods, but yeah, vegetables. Man, I don't know. I can even think of when I ate the last vegetable. Somebody puts out a veggie tray, I'll pick some carrots or celery or something. My you know, Like I said, if I'm at somebody's house and they put green beans in with the meal, I'll take a spoonful of green beans just to be polite. I don't, man, I don't eat a whole lot of vegetable. My brother's going to appreciate the hell out of this. Uh, you sound just like him. He, he's a meat guy, maybe some potatoes, but not a big veggie and a fruit guy. Yeah, I don't need a lot of it for sure. And he's pretty lean and healthy too, so you know. Mm, you know, it, it, it. Everybody's different, you know. You guys, whatever's working for you, that works for you. On on the show, they had estimates of how many calories you guys had burned in a day. Were they tracking that, or was that just an estimate based off your weight and your workload? Uh, I mean, they came in and and weighed us here and there, so you never know when. It wasn't like. You know, you didn't know when they were coming to weigh you, but every once in a while they'd show up and take your weight. Like in season six, you've seen them weigh people a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, in season seven, they they kind of we had so much footage, I guess they didn't use that, you know, and and uh, but but we still got weighed quite a bit. So they might have been taking our weights and figuring in the hours or something. There could have been a formula to that. I really don't know. Was there anything that you got on camera that didn't make the show cut that you really wish would have been there? It's it's just hard for me to imagine consolidating because uh, when I first watched it, there's it was ten or eleven episodes I can't remember, but it's you know an hour hour and a half standard TV show, and then I'm thinking we get to like episode eight or nine, 
and we're on 60. I'm like, there's still 40 days and there's only three yeah. more episodes. How do you, how do you, like you said, how do you shrink out so much material? There was, t- there was a whole lot of material. Absolutely. Yeah. They crammed it, uh, 40 days into the last two- show or two. And, and, and there was a lot that didn't get shown. And it's just, I, I kind of think it's always going to be that way. You know, I feel, I feel like you got the best of both worlds. Like you got to be, you know, on TV in front of millions of people kind of show your talents and, but you didn't really, for the most part, it sounds like you didn't have to deal with the showbiz bullshit. Oh, you were out there all, yeah. You were out there all alone with just your cameras. You were doing it your way. You know, they, it, it's self-filmed. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I did everything just however I, I yeah. felt the best way to do it to win. It was absolutely authentic and, but yeah, there's a boatload of footage of all, of all 10 of us that didn't get showed. So when I first got to see it, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, they didn't show this or that, but everybody else had stuff they didn't show too. But I'm almost glad some of that didn't get showed. You know? <laughs> got some moves that you kind of kind of put out there. Some, some well-kept secrets. Mm. So did you have, okay. So, you know, you're doing a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of your daily things. What, what did you do if you had any to little free time? I mean, you had no books, you had no music. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what, what did you do on on any little downtime you had? Yeah, yeah. Well, the downtime came later when it was all, you know, your shoulders done, your woods cut, you know, and you're heading that real dark, cold time of, of the north, you know, December and. There was a lot of long nights in Rock House with you know, Minus 30 sharpen your knife and saw so many times. And you're right, no book. Oh, my God, no book was a toughie because I'm a reader. Yep. It would have been a great time to kill War and Peace again or, you know, read the Bible clear back through. So just I, I, I just did a lot of mental searching back in my mind, dredging up a few old childhood memories that was on you know i i would do mental memory games trying to go back to because as we get older we start losing it you know and and i pulled up some stuff and i'm like holy cow a few more years i might have forgot that altogether now i can't remember <laughs> them again but yeah, yeah i know not uh, having a book or some music i know in there you talked a lot about uh, reflecting on your relationship with your mom and that kind of pushed you through towards the end kind of gave you some clarity and kind of kept you strong so i always yeah, thought that was oh, well yeah 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 i mean actually it, it's so i i started traveling at 17 so i ain't been home much ever since i hit what you might want to call manhood and um so i didn't see mother a lot and and ironically then she perished while i was preparing for the show everybody knows that and that was my little theme and and uh production and the history channel captured that really good I think a lot about that and it well, i did want to dedicate it to my mother because i didn't have a real i mean I, I i derive a lot of my strong personality from her but at the same time i wasn't around her a whole lot so i felt closer to my mom at rock house than i did anywhere I, I know that's bizarre, but tell me, tell me something that you do offline off of this. Like every, you know, I, I'll always know you as this huge outdoor enthusiast and a, a guide and a pro. You've been doing it since you were a little boy and you won the show. But what, what are some of the hobbies you have outside of this? Something that might throw me for a curveball. Mm-hmm. There's got to be one other thing. 
Man, I don't know. Reading. I mean, I spend a lot of time reading. A hobby that ain't woods oriented. Man, I don't know. I go logging a lot, but that's that's real woodsy. Chopping down trees is a big part of it. You know, commercial logging, not just playing around with firewood. I I buy timber and cut it down, sell it, but that's woodsy. A hobby that ain't woodsy. Man, I, I you told me earlier that you said uh, watching MMA and UFC kind of gets you pumped up. Do you watch that quite a bit? What's that? UFC. Oh, UFC looks like the best fun in the world. I'd love to try it. I, I could I could get into that. <laughs> How often do you watch it? Every chance I get, you know, if we're swinging into a bar and it's on or, or if nobody has it on and the TV's dead or, you know, sometimes I watch it in Oklahoma. I watch it every chance I get. It just yeah. looks like something you could focus on. Oh, yeah. So you, you said some, you would you would get in the cage if the, if the amount of money was right or, you you know. I'll jump in the cage for the right dough. You bet. <laughs> uh, have you ever done any type of training? I keep myself in awesome shape and, and you know, as far as training for a UFC fight, I, I, I have not been, but, but, but if, but if it was going to happen, I would, I, I, if I had a, what's the typical training length? So, you know, I think for someone who knows what they're doing, a typical training camp, they say, is anywhere between eight to 12 weeks. And that's for, you know, for an experienced guy. Now, if you have no idea going dry, I have no idea. But I'd want uh, six months. Six months. And you, well, so, I don't so know, but I, and, that's what I would try to get. Yeah. How much do you weigh? I range anywhere from 190 to 200. Okay. I, can get down, I can get down to 180. How much, did, how much weight did you lose out? Out in Canada, out on no, the show. I lost a lot. I was clear down 160 at one point. Did you feel okay, or by by day 100? I was good. I was good. I, di- I didn't even know I lost that much. I didn't even realize it. How did how did you keep track of your days? You you itched them on the tree. That's right, with the knife, correct? Yeah, I, I made calendar tree. There was one great big spruce there that looked yep. like I could get clear around. I, I, I cut number one way down at the bottom because I, I knew I was staying for 100, you know, unless I got so sick or so weak or whatever or so starved. I mean, I did find lots of food, but you don't know if you're going to find all that food. But, I mean, I was determined to make it happen no matter what. So I started my notch way down low and kind of had the whole tree planned out, and I the 80s took me clear around to where I had come up to. And so the 90s and, and up to 100, I had to come up above that, too. And you see on the show all the marks. I call that calendar tree. Every day I'd knock off a day with my axe. I did that every day. Filmed it every day, too. So there toward the end, I was pretty sure I was at day 100. Because I don't see how I could have knocked off two. You know what I mean? In a day. Yep. I know damn well I was there for everyone that was on there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, st- when, you know, like I said. 100 days a long time, my man, when you're knocking them off one by one. Man, I, I, I can't even fathom how, how someone could do it. Uh, it's a, like you said, it's really not something you can put into words until you've done it. Uh, I mean, what, you were at point in times, what, minus 30 degrees at night? I, I believe 42 below was, we had two of them in a row. Now, I didn't know that at the time. We had no thermometer or nothing. 
And this is one little part that they, of my footage they didn't use. We had two weeks of what I termed hyper-cold, and you'll see me say hyper-cold there a time or two. Now, there was two weeks of that, and I was calling it on my camera minus 30s, you know, every day, every day, every night for two weeks. And then the last two days of that, it got a little colder, and I could sense it, you know, because we had no thermometer. And and I called, I said, twice on camera each day <clears throat> i said i think we just hit minus 40 and you know i said that right into the screen well they, mm -hmm. they didn't use that and that's fine but later i went back you know when i came out i could do my own research and i went back and i had somebody do it i don't do it <laughs> checked the weather records and, and I, there was some 42 below there i, I believe they show minus 40 on the show down in the lower part of the screen and maybe that's what it was you know that's cold man that's cold you know i i call minus 30 cold and, and minus 40s getting a little worse you, you can you can tell when it's that cold if you've been in it you know things change at minus 35 it just wood acts different and water acts different you know the way your ice breaks and your wood shatters shit changes at minus 35 yeah i have experienced minus 37 but it was it was nothing like you did. I mean, I was running from my car to work to the store. You know, anytime. Yeah. Was, yeah. I, I I have I've seen about minus thirty seven. I got a picture of it on my phone, but it's just absolutely brutal. I I can't even fathom sleeping in that or walking in that or having nobody to talk to while enduring that. Man, it's yeah yeah. Even the sounds are different at that temp. You know, the the crunch. Yeah, the you first can time hear I in the you can hear in the show my footsteps a couple times. You know, the crunch, yep. the deep crunch. That's when you know it's cold, cold, cold. Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. walking out in it for the first time, and it just it kind of hurt my lungs to breathe the first minute or two. Just yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's like when you have, like, you know, you put, like, five pieces of gum in your mouth and chug ice water and just, you know, just breathing that air in is miserable. Mm -hmm. Did you ever have... I mean, because I knew you won the show before I started watching it because you're the mm -hmm. reason I watched it. But, right. you know, with an time, you watched it later. Yeah. With an unbiased opinion, I saw from day one, it looked like, man, you know, it looked like he could win it. He seems confident. He never once phased it. Did you ever have a day where you were almost tapped out or were you in 100 percent? Not once did you flinch? I didn't know. I, I you didn't look like it going in and, you know, you had to keep adjusting it to your circumstances. But I mean. It, it's the, the the nearest thing to what you're getting at i can say is is there's a term called drop shock and you know when you first get dropped off and that helicopter's flying away that's when drop shock that sets in and, and i think everybody would experience that to some extent probably me less so than others because i got all my my alaska deep you know i've been dropped lots of times of course with you know an outfit and grub and things but but, I mean, but getting dropped with your sack of clothes and your 10 items, just like we all had, it was all the same, except, you know, you could switch it up, but we all had to pick off the same list. Uh, what, what, what was really drop shock for me was when the helicopter flew away and I'm standing there, this is it, you know, we're launched, it's going down. Like, man, I made all that big, heavy talk. I got to now we're gonna bring it home you know and that 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 was my drop shock it was pretty heavy yeah i i can't say i blame you man uh 
there were some of the guys on there that, you know, I mean, for retrospect, for people listening, only made it two weeks. I mean, ten, I think 10 days, and there was a guy who, who was already off. Of course, you didn't know that at the time. No, no, you don't know none of that. Yeah. And how long did you have to keep keep it a secret after you won? Yeah, once you come out, you it, it, it's you, you can't say a thing, you know. For how long? Oh, it was till it till after the last episode aired. Yeah. Okay. Because you know somebody get a hold of that and and go with it and 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 that this company just spent millions putting this show together. You know, they they, they can't trust that information with one you know one person one anybody. Everybody's under heavy non disclosure. You can't be out there yapping your mouth about none of that. Yeah, I was. I had some uh, some friends and family have some questions too to pop in, and, and that kind of touched on that. I was going to ask, um, you got ten items. If you could list those for the people who are going to listen, and then if you had to leave one of your ten items behind, if you shrunk it down to nine, what would that have been? What would you have left behind? Yeah, I mean, ten is like holy shit. Ten ain't enough, really. <laughs> no, there's almost ain't one you can give up. Almost ain't one you could give up. Might have dropped my. Was there anything you regretted buying? My Leatherman, if I had to, I don't know. I don't know. Tens to ten is like the threshold. You gotta have them ten. Was there looking back? Was there anything you wish you would have swapped out instead, or did you pick the perfect ten items for you? I for me, I had I had the perfect list for me. Yep. Prior to going out and doing this, what's the longest you you spent in the woods, you know, solo style like this, or or with even with you know a couple of people? But what's no, the longest you? I, I got some three monthers under my belt already. Okay, yeah. so you you kind of already done a mini series of this. The alone, yeah, I mean the the alone stuff wasn't my issue, you know, and I know that I had the shelter, and and you know I don't get sick and I don't get hurt. It, it's food. Food is the tough one. You know, but but you have seen people in the fat in the past seasons, you know, just go when they still had food yet, you know, just because they're tired of being alone. But yeah, that ain't, you know, alone does not bother me. I'd like to have a book or two, but yeah, that's why you re- you reference that uh, that musk ox is the million dollar ox. You know, when you when you got that, as soon as I killed him, it was the million dollar musk ox because food was done. Now I did have to get that thing back to Rock House and secure. It could have been. I could have lost some of that, but yeah, you did an excellent job with that. Uh, one more question I had: If you had to choose, pick one—a knife or an axe. Excellence is what I strive for. <laughs> if you, uh, you know, would you leave behind the knife or the axe? If I if I had to choose between knife and axe, yeah. Well, I'll I'll give this this one away, and anybody that's already doing this type of thing whether you're at my level or you know whatever level you're at the the axe is number one in 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 the woodsman's lure you know feasibly you can do everything with the axe if you had to axe and, is always number one on the list okay axe is number one what's number two number two is always going to be fire for for me, I mean, there was the the guy in season six. And I forget his name, but man, he went in without ferro rod and did the bow drill the whole time, and 
that was a ballsy move. And he made it clear to number three. So fire was probably his excellence, you know. I, I have made bow drill fire, friction fire for sure, but man, it's just such a hard thing. I I wouldn't go in there about my fire. Pharaoh rod's number two for me. Is there anything that is like a really weird item, maybe even not for, you know, someone doing a challenge, but just going out on an adventure, something weird that ends up being pretty helpful, maybe you wouldn't think of, kind of unorthodox? In uh, in every remote situation you go to, you always bump into something or or turn something you already have into something else. Every time, there's, there's always an unorthodox item turns up. Whether you made it, whether you found it, or whether you took something you already had and turned it into something else, you know, and, and it's just the, the situation, the, the circumstances kind of dictate all that, plus your, your, your ability to use your head. So the show's over and you're back to normal life. What, what's next for you, Roland? What, what, what's the next two to three years look like for you? I know life has changed a little bit, even though the money didn't necessarily matter and you, you did it for fun. And, you know, I know life is different. So, so tell me what's next for you. Well, I, I wanted that title. I wanted that. The hundred day king title. Yes, sir. I did for my mother, for myself, but, but to represent all the old timers and the old timer ways that, that are under attack these days. You know, I wanted to bring some of that back to life and I felt I did that somewhat. The pioneers that made this great nation, you know, I wanted to represent them. And I, I leaned on God Almighty and Jesus Christ's name a lot through all that. And I like to touch on this on every podcast and every chance I get to talk to people, you know, there was some big, heavy prayers God Almighty in Jesus Christ's name going down a rock house. So that's always part of my that that's always part of my success formula right there. What's next for me is some kind of crazy challenge, whatever it is. I'm just waiting for the next chance to smack the next home run. How many how many seasons, if ever, do you think there'll be another hundred day king? You're the original. Will there ever be another one? I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh-uh. Is the show, has the show moved? To- it, I, it was just that hard. I I think 100's going to be here for a long time. Is the show moved now? Is it all to 100 or was that a one-time deal? I don't have no idea. They okay. don't, you know what I mean? That this year's, is, they ain't giving that information out to nobody. Yeah, and I, I don't and know I, any more than anybody else from here on. I know you said to go back and watch some of the old uh, seasons. Uh, if you had recommendations on which seasons were were some good ones to watch or your favorites, which would those be? Well, when, when I say I want you to go back and watch some other seasons to fully understand how hard, how high I set the benchmark, you know, you got to watch some of the other seasons. The show's evolving, you know, it's getting stronger every year. Sure. And I, I'm real excited to see how eight comes off, you know, and then nine and ten. And then there's the talk of the championship playoffs. I don't know if that's happening, but there's chatter about it. No, I, I don't know what network and production's doing. No clue. But I, I know there's chatter in the computer world, you know. The, the fan base wants to see a, a uh, championship. And, You're going to go to the, the Super Bowl of survival and win that thing? Yeah, I'm going to win another million bucks. I, f- I feel like, based on the show, the only way you were coming out of there is if, like, 
you got attacked by a bear or, or the K they pulled you out. So I think, you yeah, I mean, for sure. you're going to pull me out. You're going to pull me out. No doubt about it. I'll, I'll say it. I said it before and I'll say it again. A million, you can't tap out when there's a million bucks on the line. No way. I can't wait for the next one, you know, and they're all going to, I'm the man to beat. <laughs> yeah, man. Tell them all the same thing. We'll see you chumps on the mountain. I like to, I like to try and ask all my guests uh, lately, uh, a general question of the same if you had a couple pump up songs to get you going in the morning when you're working out or you're outside or what, what are some of those songs that should yeah. be current or old time? So, yeah, yeah. I got old ones. I like, I like Waylon Jennings a lot. And, and he had a really hard hitting song. One of his first ones called lonesome ornery and mean pull it up and listen to it. It's really good. And then when I really want to get a good workout or, get a lot of work done i listen to kid rock oh nice <laughs> that's some kid rock man that's good stuff so hot what's your favorite kid rock song so hot so hot okay that's good stuff well man i've really enjoyed our time talking uh we've been going for about our time limit now um you got anything else for me otherwise we can we can wrap it up and let you get going i know you got a lot of these you're you're a celebrity now man as much as you don't want to be i think you are yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like talking to you. You're a good interviewer, Justin. But yeah, I want to save some material for somebody else. You're gonna drain me. Yeah, I'm, I'm good, buddy. That was a good, that was a good uh, podcast. Yeah, I absolutely appreciate it. And I wanted to say thank you to Ty and Tara for getting me connected to you, and your relationship with them, and your your buddy down in Oklahoma. And uh, oh, my, the, the the Weavers in Oklahoma. God love y'all, and and just Oklahoma in general. I I love Oklahoma, and I love Oklahoma people. Yeah, man. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. You seem like a great guy as well. So, everybody, if you want to go back and watch it, you got Mr. Roland Welker, the Hundred Day King. And you got to go to my website. Yeah, drop your website. What is that? I meant to ask you that too. Yeah, yeah. And we're trying to get everybody to go to www.rollandwelker.com. And then Mm -hmm. there's Instagram and Twitter and Jitter and I don't know what all, but I'm out there. Yeah, once we once we're off record, I'll I'll get those from you. I always post the links on my uh, podcast for you to do, but I'll do the website and then we'll get your Instagram or uh, another link for you, which we can talk about those later. But yeah, guys, go find him RolandWalker.com, um, season seven alone winner on History Channel, uh, the Hundred Day King, the Last Bushman on Instagram. That's all I got, man. I really appreciate it, and uh, I think the people are gonna love this one. Yeah, thanks, Justin. Yes, sir.